Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, this is Fairway Roll in the Golf Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. My par saving pals, we are in a content rich environment when it comes to the golf scene. We're still enjoying and experiencing the afterglow and after effects of Bryson DeChambeau's stunning U.S. Open victory. We had a very cool made-for-TV event featuring Tiger Woods at his very first public golf course design yesterday. He and Rory and JT and Justin Rose got it on. And we have another event coming up, one of these events that Nate and I particularly like because of the opportunity for non-top-tier golfers to make an appearance and to show up and show us something and help us sort of learn some new names and some new games. We are on the first tee. Nathan Hubbard, the PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, is along with us. We're throwing a tee in the ground, and off we go. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Nate Dog, what's happening, brother? How do you decide how long to hold the rolling in Fairway Rolling? <laughs> it's how much breath I have in the lungs. I honestly, I, you know, part of the, the uh, effects of the global pandemic in terms of my own personal life is I have lost a whole bunch of weight, largely because my gigantic meals and alcohol, you know, my, my sort of work life, the, the, the big meals, the big boozy meals have been greatly diminished uh, over the past six months. And I also have come to understand that I don't love to drink at home. I like like one drink or three quarters of a drink. I don't like to sit down and, you know, over the course of hours, drink by drink by drink. It's just not my thing at home. Because you have mirrors everywhere and it reminds you of how pathetic that is or what? No, no, no. It's just like the, honestly. It's a social it, thing. Well, that for sure. So my drinking, I've come to understand and appreciate at this stage of my life is absolutely a social thing. It's also the impact on mornings. So I am now, against all odds, a morning person. I like morning. I have come to understand and appreciate. I like a, a non-harried, non-hungover morning most of the time. And that's one of the, the also the side effects of this whole deal. And so that's why you don't have as much breath to scream rolling for six minutes or I have that breath now, I'm saying. Great. And you know what else I have? If oh, I don't have the band on right now, uh, my whoop, my whoop. You have your whoop on. That's another piece of the, you know, some important information that definitely f factors into lung capacity. No, my lung capacity is at max right now, brother. Well, let's roll. 
let's roll. We we have uh, a bunch of stuff. You know, usually right after a major, it gets kind of quiet because the tour, as is the case this week, goes off to um, you know a, a location, a locale that that is typically not you know um, upper echelon or not sort of you know a a, a big name player. And lots of times, you know, there's lots of congratulations to the winner and we kind of move on this Bryson DeChambeau win and the way that he did it. And all of the stories that have been coming out afterwards feels like we are at a really interesting potential inflection point in terms of professional golf, because the, the, the stories are all sort of tracking a couple different narratives. One of those narratives is, you know, the the impact of length on the game and distance, and that's something that's been an undercurrent for a couple of years now because of what's happening with technology, both in terms of the equipment and the ball, um, and the impact of of distance on, uh, you know, the, the 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 game of golf across the board. But using the professional game as kind of the launch point for that discussion, that's sort of one thing that's out there right now because Bryson hit the crap out of the ball and was extraordinary from the rough. The other series of stories that I've been seeing that I find really interesting and the reason why I think it's fair enough to call this a potential inflection point have to do with Bryson's use of information. His uh, uh, his approach, it's basically like a data analytics kind of approach and, and more and more stories about people in his life that he relied upon for um, gathering information around putting speed, for gathering information around, um, you know, the efficacy of uh, different shots from different positions. And there's been, you know, story, Shane Ryan had a story come out today that, uh, shout out Shane Ryan, our old Grantland homie, likened it to kind of a money ball approach where like the innovation of Bryson is really on an intellectual level, it's it's you know where in 1997, and I think it's an apt comparison. Tiger arrived on the scene and introduced everybody to a, an approach to golf that nobody had seen up to that moment. He was you know the combination of power, his physical fitness, his maniacal passion, his competitive mental uh, approach. That was all that that really did change the game, and there is now you know, this, this sort of, uh, wondering aloud about does this moment with Bryson where it's not enough to just have talent and work hard. You also have to think hard. What does that sort of represent in terms of, of kids coming up in in the game of golf, you know, at the moment? Well, we know that data has touched almost every other sport and the, the cyber analytic communities have existed out there on a bunch of sports for a long time. But golf, to your point, most of the data has been used in developing this technology that we heard Jack rant about at the memorial when he had his moment, uh, only to be topped by Gary Player's tree hugger moment yesterday, which we should talk about later on. But the, but the data has been used to, to enhance the technology. And you've started to see the shot trackers out on the range and so forth. But you're right that Bryson had not, he'd opened us up to a few things in his life, but coming out of this win through these articles that you've, you've talked about, he's opened us up to a lot more of how he approaches the game. And what's going to be interesting is who adopts the full Bryson approach, which includes the physical changes, versus who adopts a, a more rigorous data analysis of strategy around the course. I think we're going to see a lot more of the latter than we will of the former. I, I come back to the quote from Rory after this thing, where they asked him about the win. And we joked the other day about the Rory shade. But here was his quote. I don't really know what to say because that's just the complete opposite of what you think a U.S. Open champion does. Look, he's found a way to do it. Whether that's good or bad for the game, I don't know. But it's not the way I saw this golf course being played or this tournament being played. It's kind of hard to really wrap my head around it. From the kid who we thought 
was going to be the next Tiger and we still know is a top five golfer in the world. He can't get his head around the way that Bryson's playing it. So I think you are right. We are going to see these golfers step back and say, I might not bulk up. That might not be for me. But I have to start thinking about how to analyze the course beyond what my approach angle is and where the bunkers are and start really statistically understanding my own game and then how to apply it to every single hole. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing with that Rory quote, he says, I'm not sure if it's good or bad. Isn't isn't the the inference, he he thinks it's bad. You know, we the 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 tone of voice and, and the way that he kind of, you know, presented it. I don't know if what, you know, the the overall Bryson approach and its impact on the game of golf and what it's done to a uh, U.S. Open concept, if that's good or bad, it, it, it felt like the implication that he was sort of conveying. If if he had, you know, if you asked him, well, what do you think? Is it good or bad? He, he I think, you know, he, he was he'd lean more towards the negative side of it. Well, in the in the post game press conference after the event in the Ozarks yesterday, they allowed some Mastercard holders to ask the players questions directly, and one of the questions came from some guy Brent. Who, who asked him about distance and whether there was a problem in distance. And, and Rory just sighed and said, thanks, Brent. And that was a hashtag <laughs> that was trending for a while. But it, it is analogous to what we heard from a lot of the commentators on Sunday at the U.S. Open who were whispering into their mics, you know, Dan, I, I don't really like this. I have to admit, I, I, I just don't like what's happening, but I admire and appreciate it. I think there's just a lot of resistance overall to change. There was tons of pushback against Tiger in maybe different ways because Tiger was winning, 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 so you couldn't deny the results. But there's always been pushback to any kind of innovation or change in this sport in particular, in part because of its roots and, and you know, wh- where it comes from. But I think every player has to be stepping back and looking at his performance at the restart and say... I have to start thinking about changing my approach because other guys are going to pick it up in the same way other guys started working out when they saw Tiger. Even if they didn't say, yeah, this is the right approach and I'm behind. There are a bunch of golfers right now who woke up on Monday and said, I'm behind. The interesting thing to me is, um, and I, I, I agree, we did experience it in the telecast on Sunday, the um, overwhelming sentiment from the guys and by the way, let's do this quick pop quiz. Of of the gentlemen who populated that broadcast on on NBC through the through the weekend, the the NBC crew, all the guys that spoke during the the broadcast, who do you think is the youngest? Oh no. <laughs> Bones. Well, Bone, okay, that's fair enough. Right, right. So Bo- Bones is the youngest. I meant though of like the 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 commentariat, the the guys, you know, but Bones fits a different kind of, of profile. But yes, which which grizzled thing. old white guy is the youngest? This is what I'm asking you. Yes, you are picking up what I'm dropping now. <laughs> Who's the tallest Smurf? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's Dan Hicks, and he's yeah. either like 57 or 58. Yeah. Everybody else on that broadcast is, is in their 60s or already at, at 70, right? This is all scary. So, right, exactly. So they have a an idea and especially dan hicks as a member at wingfoot right well, did you know that i did <laughs> <laughs> we heard it you know the callahan's house congratulations to the to the great callahan house on number 10 the, the, the famous callahan's but the uh sentiment right they just couldn't hide it it just kept coming out a little bit what's interesting to me is the point that you made during our recap sunday night which is a lot of it has to do with how people feel about Bryson, right? Because the distance has been around. DJ um, has been hitting the crap out of the ball for a couple years now. And we didn't have to ask ourselves when he won the tour championship or when he um, uh, won in Boston or when he won the Travelers in Connecticut. We were not tapping the brakes after any of those wins saying, oh my God, is the fate of golf, or is this an existential crisis for golf? Now, his 30-under performance at Boston did raise some eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. And pe- people did sort of like, you know, look, we, 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 this has to be an aberration because if we end up in this place where guys are, are you know, shooting that kind of score, 
the the entertainment product might be diminished some. But you know, with Bryson, if you really parse the um, success that he had, the distance was certainly an element of it. But where he really shone was in strokes gained approach and in putting. And that's where this data innovation, the analyticals, where he's taken statistics and worked with statistical professionals to come up with, I can't remember the guy's first name. There's a guy named McNamara, and I know he also worked with Mark Brody. And they walked around, and he has probabilities of success from different portions at Wingfoot. And he played shots based on his own understanding of likelihood of success based on the probabilities that he'd done all his homework on. And he putted terrifically. So it was approach and putting that really distinguished him because the other big hitters out there at Wingfoot also hit the ball far. DJ hit a 420-yard drive on nine. Matthew Wolf was right there with, with Bryson in terms of distance the whole day Sunday. And, and you know, Bryson didn't finish first in, in distance. He finished first in the tournament because he finished first in strokes gained approach and because he putted his ass off. And, you know, some of the, the, the tools that he's been using that we've seen, like with this thing with, with he has this uh, tool where they're measuring putts by miles per hour. Did you see that? Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, you're right. You're right to bifurcate the debate because what Bryson's doing isn't bomb and gouge completely. Right. If, if there are some things we need to talk about related to distance, and that is what Jack was going off on at the memorial, which is, you know, he's been complaining to the USGA for 150 years now that the ball has to change and that it's enabled, you know, a, a style of play that just isn't fair. And that's why he turned the memorial into kind of a clown show by the end of it that, that Rom was able to win. But Bryson is uh, taking a different approach than every other player. DJ does not think this way. Rom does not appear to think this way. Some of the big hitters don't think this way. And, and what was so fascinating to bring it back to that Rory quote is, man, I'd love to see Rory McIlroy play golf with the benefit of integrating this kind of information into the decisions that he makes out on the golf course. In the same way that NBA and NFL and baseball front offices have changed what the sport looks like and who the players are, and how the game flows because of data. Imagine if you take guys who are arguably more talented than Bryson on the golf course right now and, and actually turned themselves into data-driven players. Because I think, yes, Bryson is hitting it far, but I'm not sure, based on these, this insight that we've gleaned in the last few days, I'm not sure that Bryson is necessarily more talented and that's why he won the U.S. Open by six strokes, which, by the way, we have not seen for a, very often at all, right? Tiger won by 15 in 2000. Cameron Rory won by eight. Bryson winning by six is a really big deal. It, it, it really isn't the distance that we have to talk about the distance and think about how we're going to change courses or technology to solve that. It, it's looking at the other players and saying, this guy's being more thoughtful than you. How are you going to do that? And a couple other sort of aspects of, of that is, is like side effects is the recognition of where he is in his life, right? He's 27 years old. He's not married. There are no kids in his life. He has a single pursuit, a single passion. That's what facilitated him transforming his body in, in a very, very pronounced way in a very, very compressed time frame and that's also what allows him to go down what each aspect of this is its own uh rabbit hole that he you know if, if you have the time and the energy to pursue it you can really i think uh you know come to some some impressive revelations about your own game and your own approach to the game and that's that's where bryson is now you know across the board of, of professional golf not everybody is going to enjoy the opportunity to be so uh that this is shane ryan's term the monomaniacal energy right that that's a single-mindedness of, of pursuit but you know who had that and that we um all um came to to revere was tiger that's tiger that's tiger's mono, monomaniacal energy try and say that 10 times fast i can't even get it out oh, but tiger 
Tiger deconstructed his swing multiple times over. He did it without the benefits of some of the technology and analytics that Bryson has today. But you're exactly right. It's the same approach. The, the other thing that shouldn't get lost is Bryson, and, and you, you subtly just made that point, Bryson just outworked everybody. Like, it, it, you can have kids and work your butt off, but Bryson worked efficiently. We know that he understood he was going to end up in the rough because just the sheer physics of hitting it that far mean you're more likely to be offline. So he's worked his ass off on hitting those wedges and nine irons and eight irons out of the rough. How do I get better at hitting it out of the rough versus just, you know, playing practice rounds and getting better at striking the ball out of the fairway? So there there are a bunch of approaches. I do think... Yeah, I don't think Bryson DeChambeau is going to be the most dominant player in the game for the next 20 years. But I do think we're going to look back and say, this is the guy that ushered in, as, as you laid out, the money ball era of golf in which players got more efficient, they got more strategic in how they played, and they understood their own games and their own bodies better than they ever did so that they, they could get the most out of every shot they hit. I think that's super cool, and I, I'm here for I it, too. and I, I support it, and I think one of the um, iconic, lasting impressions, lasting images of Bryson's win at this event will be his Saturday night range session after so his awesome. Saturday afternoon round where he asked the staff to keep the lights Turn on. Turn the lights on, yeah. So he could go hit wedges. He wanted to know how the ball was going to behave when the temperature was cooler and wanted to have a feel for that because he knew that he was going to be playing late Sunday afternoon and he wanted to have a kind of a, a framework of comparison. Now, that is some impressive shiznit right there, Nate Dog. What we talked about in the recap pod, we tried to sort of lay out the difference between Bryson the golfer and Bryson the personality. Uh, not, not to throw shade at either, but, but to try to contextualize why there has been resistance to him. And at a macro level, this has all of the familiarity of anything that we've experienced in life where general populations of, of human beings are resistant to change or something that's different or unknown. And you push back against it, you push back, and then one day there's just irrefutable evidence and it flips to the other side. And that's what I think the le legacy of this U.S. Open is going to be. And, th and that's cool. So we'll just see, right? I mean, it, it's an amazing story. It has been Bryson, just the physical transformation has been the dominant story since the restart. We have now a finer understanding of it, a better understanding of it. His uh, approach has been validated. To me, it's very cool. I love the, the innovation of it. And we'll just see sort of how this plays out. We have a lot of opportunities, another, you know, 47, 48 events to run through here um, where we're going to see guys. I, I hope, you know, we'll, we'll see different um, aspects of it. Now, the one thing that you and I have to figure out, Nate, um, is how we're going to invest in, in, in Justin Ray's business, the 15th club. Because that's the data analytics kind of business. That, those guys, I think, are going get, to be getting some phone calls, homie. Do you think Eric Trump's going to be at every Bryson event from here on out? Oh is Eric God. Trump the good luck charm? I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, it's just part of the overall Bryson picture. And we'll leave it at that. I mean, is it a surprise that, that, that the private jet and the Bentley, you know, his picture out, out in front of those things uh, uh. Was, was part of the after party? I don't, I don't think so. All right, quick break, my birdie buddies. This episode of Fairway Rolling, brought to you by our good pals at FanDuel. The Ringer and FanDuel teaming up again this football season. We're about to, to jump into week three here. Got something new this time around. This is the FanDuel Ringer Mega Contest. I am in this thing. I didn't look to see how I did last week. I went four and one the first week. Here's what you do. You pick five NFL games against the spread, and you double down on one of them. You get a point for every correct pick, and if you hit your double down, obviously that one's worth two. FanDuel is adding up the score every single week. You're finishing the top 100 through the end of the season. They're, they're keeping the season long leaderboard. At the end of the season, top 100 people go on and get to compete in the playoffs for a share of 25 thousand dollars and on top of that lots of very cool ringer swag ringer gear ringer experiences 
I am looking at the slate for week three. I haven't formulated all my views right now, but I'll tell you what. The Thursday night game I find very intriguing. I love the idea of the Miami Dolphins, who have really competed well, getting points, getting points from the, one of the surprises of the season, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the my, Miami might show up on my dance card. Folks, if you haven't played the first two weeks, it's totally fine. You can realistically make up ground over the course of the, of the remaining 15 weeks of the season. Again, top 100, make the playoffs to compete for a share of 25 grand. You play it, it's for free. So you don't got to pay any money to get into this thing. The Ringer Mega Contest only on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Mega Contest and make your picks today. That is FanDuel.com slash Mega Contest. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this episode is brought to you by evernorth health services costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Speaking of after parties, we had this really fortunate timing wise event that was on the calendar that was kind of like uh it just kind of popped up out of nowhere i mean i know that there was a little bit of marketing for it and it was tiger's unveiling of his first ever public golf course design down in in missouri in the ozarks at uh big cedar lodge and they came up with this made for tv event that was on the golf channel yesterday afternoon where he and Justin Thomas uh, competed on the on the brand new golf course against Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose and kind of a Ryder Cup style event that was mainly intended to, you know, share with the, the golf public what this thing looked like and some of Tiger's thinking in terms of of the, the design of the place. And I have to tell you, I don't know how much of it you got to see. I was kind of blown away. Like the combination, first of all, the production values were outstanding. Like the drone footage the, of, of, of how dramatic this piece of property is. And it made me kind of pissed off. Like where were these production values at the mother effing US Open? It was the shot uh, tracer stuff was excellent. The way that you could see, um, you know, the, the, the greens by way of the, the, the drone footage it was really sensational and 
NBC, well, you know, pulled out all the stops. Golf Channel pulled out all the stops. Dan Hicks was there with the, with the crew. Faraday was there. And it was a really good production. It honestly made me think, like, where, where was this for the U.S. Open? Yes. A thousand times, yes. In contrast to the Bryson commercial, which was hard to swallow, feed us all of the commercial for Bass Pro Shops that we got yesterday. <laughs> it was terrific. Mm. And, and really, it looks like, have you been inside a Bass Pro Shop? Like you can fish in there. There's all kinds of stuff to do. It's some combination of like a Pirates, Carib- a Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney and, and you know, outdoor nature stuff. That's exactly what this golf course looked like. I don't think any of those waterfalls were real. Like I can't imagine all of the, I don't know what rocks were real and what weren't, but it was great. And, and to your point, these, you know, we, we see some of those charity events that they did during the restart. They were using some of those events to test new ways of presenting the broadcast. But this one, I agree, was terrific. Why can't we have more drones? And by the way, it's an ongoing reminder that miking up the players and just listening is so much fun. So can we just do that? Like the military is developing technology that can see through people's homes. Like we can't put laser mics on players so that they don't have to wear them. And so it's easy for them. You you just learned so much about the game yesterday. That's an awesome point. I absolutely, you know, this was not, and this is indicative of some of the progress that has been made really since the restart in terms of the guys getting more comfortable speaking while playing the charity events that preceded um, PGA tour play. And then the tour itself asking guys to wear mics and, and at least one player per uh, uh, event, you know, early on wearing mics and talking about their round and letting us in and hear something of that chatter. The, the chatter yesterday did not feel very forced. It's still a case. Of trash talk is so, so, you know, it's a bummer because they're not really, it's, it's not going to come as a shock that golf guys aren't great at trash talk. But the uh, the fascinating stuff of them comparing equipment and and yes. their own experiences. I mean, uh, uh, JT and Rory were having a conversation around the the hybrids that that Rory, I think it was Rory, was using. That was absolutely fascinating. And I obviously, you know, that I love hearing Rory talk about pizza. I mean, that's right up my alley. <laughs> I Rory. was so happy. And that's not a like. Look, he he's. You you want it, you can make fun of him for for liking Domino's, but he's on the the, the road all the time. Like yeah. he, he, if you don't have if you arrive at a place and you don't know what's good there locally, and you don't have the ability to do all that investigation, or whatever. Especially in this time, this moment we're in now, where it's hard to, um, you know, figure out where's a safe place to go. You know, Domino's is predictable and reliable, and and he has good taste. The deluxe is delicious, Nate. I love that he's on a Domino's kick. I love the conversation where JT was mining Rory's brain about how he picks an intermediate spot when he's putting somewhere between six inches, three feet in front of him, usually 18 inches away. I mean, you got great tips just watching this thing happen. So this is something that's been going on, again, um, since the restart, this increased access to the players in non-tour moments kudos to the PGA tour. We have been saying nice things about their nine hole charity events that they've been conducting on the Wednesday before the Thursday starts. They've been doing these nine holers where they get four guys to, to go out to the course in the afternoon and, you know, play competitions, a whole variety of different competitions, different formats. And the guys are mic'd up and, you know, the, the, these like made for TV things, are to me a very very appealing way of of letting us um get to know the guys a little bit better understand their strategy a little bit better the the whole thing is is really smart and i'm here if they want to do a whole slew of these made for tv events now part of the thing that was so brilliant about yesterday is just the piece of land and this is also something in this moment that i've personally um enjoyed which is going to places on television since I can't get go travel, you know, I don't feel comfortable traveling. I haven't felt comfortable traveling. I you know, the Missouri Ozarks are stunning. Yeah, I want to go to Big Cedar Lodge. I mean the 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 vistas, the 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 bluff tops, the 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 ravines, the the elevation changes. I don't know how much of the water is natural versus not, but obviously, you know, there there's there's water that's there. It's gorgeous. And it was just right. I, I honestly, you know, it's like, 
are we in America or is this New Zealand? You know what I mean? It was like so stunning. And that was the backdrop for, as you said, some really meaningful ways to get to know guys because it wasn't just the young stars. Gary Player and Jack Nicholas were there and usually we see those guys in a quick hit on a broadcast where they're sitting uncomfortably in a chair in the studio booth and it's sort of manufactured conversation. I got to know Gary Player better yesterday than I have in any one of those hits between the tree hugger rant, between him talking to Tiger on the 19th green about putting and how you have to get the toe through. And then just seeing him like incessantly Matthew Wolf style chattering with everybody from Payne Stewart's widow to, to the Bass Pro Shops guy. It was just interesting. It was really interesting to see those dynamics. And we just don't get that. The other thing I'm going to say, and you got to comment on this, all of those old guy announcers who we just referenced who were at the U.S. Open need to look at Justin Thomas and the work that he did in the previous charity event and what he does on the golf course. The way that kid talks, the way that kid, you know, pontificates about the game is how you're going to grow it. You got to get that. You got to get that element into the broadcast. I mean, and that's right. And we we don't we're not TV executives. If we were, we'd be figuring out a way to interject that voice. And I don't know, you know, I'm not going to sit here and nominate anybody already in the golf community who has that voice. But capturing that spirit, that JT spirit, and the and the way that that he, uh, you know, he's a natural. I mean, he's going to be great, and 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 I hope that he continues to play at the super high level that he's been playing at, um, so that he stays at the forefront of um, golf relevance for as long as, as, as possible because he's somebody like Rory that is thoughtful and has good things to say, interesting things to say. I've come to the point now with Rory where I have set aside my frustration with his performance. I mean, he's just going to be the guy who some tournaments will, will put it all together and will shoot, you know, 25 under and beat everybody by six or seven or eight strokes. Or, he's, uh, or in the alternative, he's going to be the guy at the U.S. Open, who can't beat Zach Johnson on Sunday, and yep. and you know that's just who he is. He you know he played his last round Sunday and he shot whatever it was seventy six or something seventy five, and you know so that's just who he is. He may not win another major, but he he he's still his talent is is every bit there. He had two. He shot sixty seven, sixty eight. Otherwise, during the U.S. Open, so there's no there's not a talent problem there, and we. Uh, half-jokingly talked about maybe the impact of him having his first child, his little baby girl, might have a liberating effect and whatever's going on in his head will free him up um, performance-wise. But your point about, you know, those, those, those voices and how important those voices are, Rory and JT, and how can, can you know, the, 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 the TV presentation of this, because at the end of the day, this is the thing, right? It's an entertainment product. When the U.S. Open is going up against a full slate of football, and there's NBA playoff basketball. I'm I'm making a choice about which entertainment product I want to put on and and enjoy on television. And and those perspectives are crucial to 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 capturing me. And I'm already in that the old guy demo. And then guys 25 years younger than us, right? And women. I didn't mean to say guys, men and women. Yeah, and that's what's great about the sport is that every single person watching it on television can turn off the TV after they've done it and go out and play it. That's what's great about golf. And so having guys like JT and Rory and even Phil, who when you put these microphones on them, can teach you about the game and, and you can learn things. That's what that's the way to grow the sport. It's a way to, you know, add to the entertainment part of of the entire production. And I just hope that they are paying attention. Look, yesterday, it looked like in the crowd. Did you notice the crowd? There were a lot of people there. There were a lot of people and I didn't see a ton of masks. I don't know what's going on in Missouri, brother. I didn't see a lot of masks. I did see a lot of golf focused people in the crowd. There were a lot of bloggers in the crowd, people who write, people who do yeah, video yeah. stuff. Yeah, I saw no laying up people were there. I saw he, that. Yep, the Dude Perfect guys were there. Oh, yeah, I did see the Dude Perfect guy, the backward hat. Yeah, and, right. And, and I love it. Let's bring all of those voices into events like these because those are the voices that are going to reach the next generation of golf and being able to connect them with players who can really uh, simplify the game, bring tips like, hey, you should not be looking at the hole when you putt. 
Rory McIlroy picks a spot six inches to 18 inches out from where the ball is. Aim for that. Wow, that was worth an hour of my time on TV if I enjoy in any remote way playing golf. Yeah, and I will say uh, I didn't catch it when it happened live. I caught it on the replay in the evening, and I'm hoping the replay is available through the balance of the week and that Golf Channel isn't putting on Tin Cup for the 10,000th time, yeah. uh, you know, as, as, as evening programming. But that's kind of, you know, uh, also a thing that's going on, right? The the existential uh, identity crisis that Golf Channel is going through and, and, you know, its relationship with NBC. And that will be a topic for another podcast of ours, Nate, where we'll have on some some expertise, some TV expertise to help us understand the economics and what's going on there and the downsizing and 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 all of that, because mm. it is kind of a weird moment. And this will be the, the, the closing thought. And I'll, I'll stop going on. On the one hand, golf as a leisure activity is at an all time high. And it is also the case that eyes on golf, eyes on professional golf, did enjoy there was a really uh, a great increase in enjoyment of that product now football started and other sports are going on and so like the US Open uh, I saw the 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 metrics for the viewership um it was it was down um and there's a whole variety of reasons for that but going most prominent football. it was going against football that's that's the ex- and by the way the football games were insane on Sunday so you know it's it's not like necessarily a huge knock on on the on the USGA or the tour or professional golf that people are watching that uh as Gary and, Player said it's cuz they cut down all the trees <laughs> <laughs> Gary Player who I'm sure did do you think he walked to Missouri I mean are you, or, <laughs> yeah, or is he exactly. using recycled jet fuel is he recycling the jet fuel is that what he's doing come on come on homie Come on. He hit the green and so did Jack. So shout out to the octogenarians <laughs> who can still hit greens God. on par threes better than I can. Damn it. This is the thing. I mean, this is the beauty of golf. We still have another 30 years ahead of us, brother. We have a golf tournament featuring professional tour golfers <laughs> happening this weekend. It's the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. Say that 10 times really fast. You should call it the bank robbery championship because a bunch of guys are going to steal FedEx Cup points this week while most of the best golfers in the world are asleep. Well, it's not stealing if you are complicit in it, right? There's nothing yeah. that, that prevented the top players in the world from going and playing in this event. And this honestly, Nate, would be the kind of thing where guys who are a work in progress trying to figure things out, somebody like maybe... Jordan Spieth should have this on their schedule as a way to continue the 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 work that that that, that he's doing to to figure something out. Now, who knows what's going on in his life? Why it's not on the on the calendar for him? But I'm not I'm not picking on Jordan. Th- this is a great week for gambling because there's lots of interesting value that you can grab. But when you have a PGA event that Sung J M is not playing and Tommy Two Gloves Ganey is playing, it tells you a little <laughs> bit about the quality of the field, but it doesn't make it not fun because there's some really interesting value this week. Yeah, so th- there has been some commentary around a player that I know that you love, Will Zalatoris? You Will say Zalatoris. it. Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris, who just finished in the top 10 at the U.S. Open and does not have uh, full status on the PGA Tour no. coming down to this event. And people like him this week. He's a, he, his, his track record on the Corn Ferry Tour uh, as a ball striker is extraordinary. Um, so he's been uh, getting some, some buzz down here. Mackenzie Hughes, the, the, there's a couple Canadians that, that are playing in this event um, that are uh, quality players. Corey Connors, who I like quite a bit, another outstanding ball striker, a guy that shows up and a lot of our homie Justin Ray's uh, 15th Club um, analytic reviews, Corey's in there. Mackenzie Hughes is is here. Speaking of the Canadians, another guy uh, he has got a tour win, some good pedigree. He finished uh, third at the Travelers, sixth at the Memorial, tie for 10th at the BMW, which was, you know, a, a U.S. Open style event. And some folks like Mackenzie Hughes as a sleeper at the U.S. Open. He faded a little bit. Uh, Chucky three sticks, Charles Howell is at this event. So this is like, you know, old guys, your, your point collecting 
some FedEx Cup points and building up that that resume. And you know, forever shout out to Chucky Three Sticks. I mean, Charles Howell the Third's <laughs> been at it for so long, uh, and just you know, getting them checks. Keep keep doing you, Charlie Howell the Third. Do you have anybody? What do you you have any eyes on on a, a guy or two that that we should pay attention to? Well, I agree with you that Sal Torres is a really interesting look this week. He's hit 81% of his greens this season, which is like on pace to be the most ever on the Corn Ferry Tour. But it's also the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, great player. I think if he has a weakness in his game, it's probably putting. And it looks like this course is a beast in terms of its length, but there's not that much to it. The fairways are pretty wide. And so it feels like this is going to devolve a little bit into a putting contest where the winner is going to be in the 20 to 25 under range. So for me, I look at a couple of guys like Danny McCarthy, who first in shots gained putting last season kind of sucks at everything else, but he strung together a bunch of top tens in the fall. That seems to be when he plays decently well. Uh, and he can put his face off as we know, interested to see how he does on this course. I'm looking at Thomas Dietrich, the big Belgian uh, who we haven't seen much of him, but he hung around the U.S. Open until he blew up on Sunday. I think he shot like 81 on Sunday. Yeah, struggled quite a bit. I watched him. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him. I invested heavily in... He was paired with Dustin Johnson on Saturday. Yeah. And I invested heavily in that matchup. And Dietrich was beating DJ's ass through the first 15 holes. Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, and I was, I had, I had kissed that money goodbye. Um, and then he fell apart over the last three and DJ went birdie, birdie par, uh, and, and snatched a, a, a victory out for me. So that was one of the head to heads that I actually collected on. But you, I, I came to understand and appreciate over the course of, of Dietrich's round on Saturday, a lot more about who he is, what kind of player he is. He's got a real grinder mentality. He's got that, that, um, that, uh, I don't know what this is, uh, an overgeneralization, but I'll just call it like this European fortitude, right? He's not cowed by the moment. He did not lose to DJ on Saturday because he was afraid of the moment. I think there's a couple other guys to, to talk about in addition to Thomas, Sam Burns, who finished T7 at Safeway, T13 at the Wyndham, you know, at the end of last season, last year, he was 16th in shots gain off the tee and 30th in putting. So that's going to apply well here. When you talk to some of the best players, uh, who played at Southern schools. They really like Sam Burns as a player to come around. The, the, the last guy I'd look at just from an odds perspective, James Hahn is sitting out there at 66 to one and he had the 54 lead at Safeway. I thought he was going to win that event. And every couple of years, James Hahn comes up and steals a couple of wins that are, you know, a, a lot higher in terms of their quality than this one this week. I mean, he's won the Genesis before. So this guy knows how to win on a big stage and you can see a little bit of peaking from him coming into the event this week. Yeah, I, I have a couple other names for you, and I agree with that call. want to talk about Pat Perez because our homies over at uh, the Action Network on their their golf bet link pulled out something as it relates to, to Pat Perez. They're calling him the, the Prince of Paspalum. So the, these greens, these what? like, tr these the, the Prince of Paspalum, <laughs> which is... Uh, the seaside, the, the, it's, a, it's a type of grass, and Pat Perez kills these golf courses, apparently. The seaside, so he, he won at Mayakoba in 2016. He won in Kuala Lumpur in 2017. He had a tie for eighth at Mayakoba in 2019, and he was sixth in 2000. And Pat Perez himself, he says, it's not the golf course that suits, it's the greens. He likes these greens. He doesn't know what it is about them. I'll tell you what it is. But he likes them. What is it? Each of these courses has a beach bar within 100 yards of the 18th <laughs> green. And nobody likes getting the flip. He's, he's like the Sammy Hagar, Jimmy Buffett of the PGA Tour. He loves these, these island uh, courses where he can go hang and rage and then maybe play a little golf. Maybe that makes sense. He, he was inside the top 10 at the Safeway. I mean, Napa going off and, and getting into the cab after each round. I'm sure that he, he enjoyed that. I also want to quickly mention um, Will Gordon, who yeah. we saw uh, um, a, a lot of, you know, really stellar play out of during the restart. Another guy without full status, full PGA Tour status. He hits the living daylights out of the golf ball. 
this venue is like 7,300 yards. And so like yardage wise, obviously always being able to hit the ball far is, is good. <laughs> we have plenty of evidence of that, but this, this will also, but be how does he think <laughs> a, a putting uh, thing? And then the one other guy I'm looking at, I want to see Akshay Batia. Yeah. The former top ranked junior player uh, in the world had a top 10 at, at Safeway, just like an interesting guy. Just, you know, th- this is the, these opportunities at these um, events that are not, you know, mainstay tour events. This is when we get to see players that we're not very familiar with, see them on, uh, you know, a different stage. And like you said, maybe have a little bit of an opportunity. Akshay Batia available right now, 10 to 1 odds, plus 1,000 to finish in the top 10. Isn't that worth 10 bucks? 10, 10 to win 100? That'd be fun, right? Could be. These are those kinds of events where you get to know a guy like Sebastian Munoz, who had a great fall last year, propelled him all the way to the Tour Championship. And that's a guy, when you're paying attention in the fall, you see what some of these guys can do. You can make some money off them down the stretch. Maybe not to outright win the you know Arnold Palmer, but with some of the fun bets that you've talked about across top 10s and 20s and head-to-heads, when you get to know them in these situations, it's a definite advantage. Well, we're going to have a little opportunity. We're back next week uh, with another episode of Fairway Rule, and we'll have the victor here and see whoever played well down in the Dominican Republic. And then we'll have a little preview of the Sanderson Farms event, um, which is in... Jackson. Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. Exactly right. Yes. And so we're, we're going to be on a little bit of a heater with these, like, you know, I don't mean to, to, to diminish it. Second tier events though. So that that's fun. That, that means lots of opportunity for our, for our wallets. I wish we were down there. We could go to the bar with Pat Perez and Tommy two gloves Ganey. That would be quite a <laughs> night. I gotta get, I gotta get down there. I don't want to go anywhere with Tommy Two Gloves. It feels like you might end up in a sticky situation. Nate Dog, always a pleasure. We'll we'll talk to you again next week. (laughs) Bye. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.